fell in love with Dr. Centron's research and her um, devotion to help children to unlock their genius and to be able to learn um, to read and write in, in, in a different way. So I was able to really dive into the information that Dr. Centron has researched in her program. I purchased her program in August and started using it right away in September. And my daughter has grown seven reading levels and we're not even finished with the school year yet. Welcome to this episode of Dyslexia Solutions. I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron, and I have a very special guest with me today. Her name is Gina Henge. It doesn't sound like it's looking here. Um, it's pronounced differently than it looks, which is the whole crack up to me with our, our English language, right? So um, Gina is a dyslexic woman who has just done amazingly well in her career. She Put, her, put herself through school to learn how to teach, but she comes from generations of dyslexia, and also her daughter has dyslexia. So she's here to talk to you. Um, mostly we're going to focus on her uh, her efforts to get into college and how we need to really support dyslexic kids interested in going to college and pursuing careers. So Gina, come on on to the stage. Nice to have you today. <laughs> so let me have you give a, a little bit more introduction to our audience than I gave you. Okay. Um, my name is Gina Henge, and um, I have dyslexia. My daughter has dyslexia. My mom has dyslexia. And I have a female cousin who has dyslexia. So it definitely is um, genetic. And um, we've had to learn how to cope as being um, not the neurotypical learners. Um, what else would you like to know? You know, I think your story about how your mom taught you when you were young with old readers, while uh, other kids were being taught whole language and whole word how that worked to your advantage. Share a little bit about that to start off with. Back in the day, oops, oh, she kind of glitched. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you were glitching on me as okay. well. So <laughs> let me know if You're fine. you don't hear something. Okay. <laughs> um, my mom and I were, it was just my mom and I when I was younger. And she had a high school education, um, but she taught me, or she would read to me the way that we spent our time together. She would read to me out of Dr. Seuss books. It was the only thing we could afford at the time. And um, so I heard a lot of rhythm and rhyme um, onset rhyme manipulation, um, the play on words. And she didn't know it, but it's exactly what I needed at the time. Um, zero to five, listening to that play on words. 
um, building up that phonemic awareness, the phonological awareness that is lacking with most dyslexic individuals. Um, I was also lucky that I went to a very small country school. And at the time, um, whole language was blowing up in education. But my school was so behind the times that we still use textbooks from 1960s that had explicit systematic phonics. So between my mom laying that foundation of phonological awareness and the school teaching me with um, explicit systematic phonics, decodable readers, Dick and Jane books, um, I was able to get my brain rewired to where I was able to read. Unfortunately, we did not have a systematic or explicit um, spelling program, which is where my deficit now lies even as an adult. Um, I was never taught uh, patterns in spelling. Um, even as an adult, I get made fun of for my inventive spelling. Um, one coworker, when we were in the break room, said to me, how can you be a teacher and not be able to spell? And thank God for assisted technology. I was able to, I am able to communicate and um, people don't know that I have a learning disability. You know, that's really interesting. I want to share with the audience for people who don't know what whole language is or whole word. That's when the, the easiest way I can explain it is you're learning to read by memorizing, memorizing words as if they're a picture mm -hmm. and pictures will go to the right side of the brain. Whereas when you're learning phonological awareness, that's going to go to the language center on the left side of the brain. So when you're trying to read or your child's trying to read and they've memorized words as pictures to on the right side of the brain, they can't retrieve their, their memory to retrieve to sound out words isn't there because the pictures are there. And that just was made it so much clearer to me when I learned it that way. And so when students can't sound out CH or double S, I mean, it doesn't make sense to them because they've only memorized the words. Right. A right. So, we have 44 phonemes um, in our language. And with those 44 phonemes, you have countless uh, millions of words that you can sound out. But if you memorize just the word, you only have like a retrieval possibility of like a thousand. So it's. Yeah. And there are those words like, you know, when we say we have the exception to the rule or the exception to the rule, you know, was, you know, sounds like W-E-Z, right? Was, W-A-S. That would, you know, we do have sight words. Um, they call them ring words. I don't know. Do you call them red words? Uh, different Orton-Gillingham programs call them different things. But, and those just have to be taught, you know, just introduced gradually. I, I would introduce them when I would see the student read and struggle with one. Then I would introduce it because right. there's so many of them. But share with the audience your passion to go back to school, to be a teacher. 
I think that's a very interesting story. Okay. Um, I was working at a veterinary clinic and because I do love animals and um, I was making minimum wage at the time and I thought, oh, I can live off this. And two years later, I was still making minimum wage and I didn't feel like I could live off this, but I didn't know what my options were. Um, In high school, I barely graduated. Um, So college didn't seem like something that was on the horizon for me. One of my friends was tutoring at a housing project and um, I went with her to the housing project and um, was teaching kindergarten through eighth graders um, how to read. And the parents were so appreciative and welcomed us. And the kids loved the the attention they were receiving. Um, it, it, one parent told me that um, she didn't know how to read and her brothers didn't know how to read. And she was so thankful that her child would be able to read because we were there three nights a week helping. Um, That drove me into education. And it was going to college as a dyslexic person is hard, especially without a 504. Um, I, uh, I, my intelligence was questioned a lot because of my writing and my inability to spell. And um, I think that that's something that uh, now with the assisting of spell check and uh, speech to print that we, we can uh, go to college and succeed a little bit easier than it was when I went to college. Yeah, it really is. Let me explain to the audience about a 504 also. So I'm in California and special ed students um, bring the district about $26,000 per year per student. Kids not in special ed, if they're in general ed, it's half that amount. So uh, $13,000 was the latest tuition or the latest um, research. But um, when you have a 504, your your child doesn't receive the special ed funds. The 504 um, puts your child in a category where they're going to get extra attention from the teacher, um, extra support. The teacher has to keep their eye on the child and be sure. There, are they keeping up to task? Are they getting peer support? Um, and they do have goals, but they're not in an IEP, an individual plan. And the thing with the 504 is some kids will graduate out of special ed and the parents are afraid to lose all the work that went into getting their child this special ed support. They don't want to lose all that. So they wanted the child to be on a 504 for a year. And sometimes I've had middle school students who didn't want to stand out with their peers and be in special ed and be pulled out. So the 504 was for them where they just kind of blended and main, you know, blended in with the other students in the classroom. And kids didn't even need to be on a 504. But um, 
I, I did notice that, you know, you just keep a special eye on them and yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. And so eventually they want to graduate when they have peace that they don't need to be on getting that extra support. So that might help some of the listeners. Um, talk to me about how you started getting your daughter's support when you, when she was diagnosed and, you know, what kind of help she was getting. Sure. Tell us of the battle you had to get her the support <laughs> as an advocate for her. Um, well, being I'm an educator and my husband's an educator. So when my daughter was born, um, all the things that they tell you to do, we did. She was surrounded in a literary rich environment. Um, we read countless books every day. She pretended to read. She had um print awareness or print concepts down. She knew the front, the back, top to bottom, left to right. And she understood that words contained meaning. So I thought we were on the right track. Everything was smooth sailing. She got to kindergarten and she had a little bit of a trouble um, with the uh, letter sound correspondence. So it was hard for her to learn her alphabet. It, it raised red flags with me. So I asked the school to have her tested. I requested an evaluation. Um, they did an evaluation and did not find um, that she was below the 25th percentile, I believe it was. Um, so they said that she would not be receiving any services. So First grade came second grade. She began with school aversion. Um, she missed around 30 days of school her second grade year, and she would throw up before school. Um, this was at the time when spelling became a um, major part of the grade, Um where she would, she should have been learning word patterns in a systematic way. Her words that she would get didn't have any rhyme or reason to them. So she was trying to just memorize those words as wholes. And she was unable to do it. Um, I asked for her to be tested in second grade as well. And they did. Um, she didn't fall below the 25th percentile. She went to third grade and then on to fourth grade. And fourth grade is when the struggle with reading really began. Um, she just, they were doing leveled readers. She wasn't picking up on um, any of the concepts of what she read because she was, she didn't know, she was trying to memorize words as wholes. And she was doing, um, habits that struggling readers do, um, looking at pictures for cues to words, um, trying to figure out through context clues, first letter guessing at mm -hmm. words. And um, that, that did her well through first and second and third grade. But in fourth grade, there was more than one H word that was, you know, a medium-sized word. So she would just guess at random H words because she couldn't, 
Yes. So that's a, a big red flag to parents. Keep an eye on your children if they're glancing and guessing at words, because they'll, you know, they'll start the beginning, but they, they just guess at the rest of the word. And um, a lot of times we'll do substitution of first let first letter sounds and have them remember the ending as we change the beginning. That's probably the easiest way to do some substitutions. Yeah. Trickier. Um, okay. So, and you know, so, we also say if kids aren't reading at grade level by the time they enter fourth grade, that means they need to be successful for third grade reading. Then they're at risk of dropping out of high school and going into crime, into prison, jail. You know, I, I think about the C minuses people get in school and the C minus in third grade doesn't mean you've mastered third grade, but even to be moved ahead at a, a C minus, it just contributes to the challenges of the kids. So how did she finally start getting the help and let's um, transition into her being in high school now. We had to, we had to take her to an outside evaluator. We went to a neuropsychologist. Um, the neuropsychologist did a battery of tests, um, random, uh, random naming, fluency, um, phonemic awareness, um, oral language, reading comprehension. And, and I, you know, I want the audience to make some comments if you don't know what any of these are, because <laughs> I believe, sorry. well, I believe the audience knows what most of that is, but rapid naming, you know, if you need to get some clarification on what some of these um, reading skills are, just put in the comments and I'll respond to you. Go ahead. Um, and through these tests, what they showed is that her vocabulary and her um, language comprehension was extremely high, um, like two, three years above her age, but her phonemic awareness was not yet at preschool level and she was in fourth grade. Um, it, it showed that she showed the tendencies that a dyslexic would show on these tests yes. and uh -huh. we received a diagnosis. Um, there was an intervention they used Wilson in fourth grade and fifth grade. And then when she went to sixth grade at the junior high level, um, she only had received one year of intervention. She was on an IEP at the time. They never fought me with getting her an IEP after we got the outside diagnosis. Um, but it was accommodation. It took a lot of money to get that diagnosis. And then the school cooperates. That's kind of crazy. Right. And okay. So tell me they, tell us uh, where she is now. We're going to have to wrap this up. Okay. Um, well, I ended up having to hire an attorney and we fought to get interventions put at her um, junior high. So now our district has interventions K through eighth grade. She's in high school now, and she had only had two years of interventions with all the fights that we had. So I had to call the high school and get the ball rolling. But now they actually have interventions um, 9 through 12, uh, Wilson intervention at her high school as well. So it took a lot of fighting, but I think that we did a lot of good for the kids who were at least coming up behind us. The, the resources are there. 
Now, you got your dyslexia uh, specialist credential. Did you study Wilson as well? No, um, Orton Gillingham. And just the uh, methodology. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I was letters trained. Okay. Um, Orton Gillingham certified and then um, took the uh, K Peary test which is knowledge and practice and um, graduated with my master's of the science of reading from Mount St. Joseph university. That's just amazing. Congratulations on that. One thing that really got my attention when we spoke before was the assistive technology that your daughter is able to use now in high school helps her not stand out in the, Mm -hmm. in this, in the class. She feels more like the other kids you want to talk to that about what that does for her self-esteem and sure. it helps her achieve success? Yeah. One of the problems that she did have um, was that she was always pulled out in small groups. Um, that was one of her accommodations. Um, and, and the kids know that you're special ed. And that was fine up until seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And then she would choose not to get pulled out because she didn't want to be singled out. So um, her school is a one-to-one school. So they have Chromebooks and um, the uh, spell check helps. She's allowed to do the um, text to print. She does snippets of um, high academic language um, papers that are on the computer and there's a Google, uh, app or extension that will read that snippet to you. Um, so she's, she's got a lot of things that as resources now that help it so that she doesn't stand out as a, um, student with disabilities. And you know, what's also very exciting is that she has a vision to go to college. And um, I I started this interview saying that we were going to talk more about that, but we really haven't, but that's okay. But you, when you were in high school, you weren't, you even had someone, a counselor tell you, you're going to, you should drop out, right? Yeah. And so Uh here you had to figure it out how to go to college. And now your daughter's getting the support how to get to college. Right. And um, we will be dropping her IEP um, her senior year and shifting her over to a 504 for college because it is federally mandated. College do have to um, continue their support. Okay. So, but with a 504, the IEP is through school, through. Right. And then she'll go to a 504 for college. Got it. Um, and then share with the audience her gifts, like you shared about her riding gifts, but also her horseback riding. Yeah, uh, that's really sweet. Um, she always wanted to write. Um, her oral language and expression is just like I said, beyond her years. And um, it was her passion was was halted when she would turn in a paper and it would come back with red ink all over it. Um, 
And that was because yeah. of her spelling or her syntax errors, not because of what her ideas were. Mm-hmm. But it kind of squashed that um, love of writing. Yeah. It's starting to come back. So I'm hoping that we have a budding author on our hands. Yeah, she also too. rides horses and um, has a real innate ability with animals. So she wants to do something with animal sciences or run a barn where she can teach people how to ride horses. And we certainly need that. Now, I didn't tell the audience you're in Illinois. Yes. And I love watching the movies of Heartland and other movies where horses and horse whisperers and stuff. And what a gift your daughter has um, for you to be advocating for her and helping her. And you know, we talk about dyslexia being a trait of genius and some people really resonate with that. It's been a little bit different with you. You felt more of the frustration, like, why did we have to work so hard, right? Yeah, we do. We have to work 10 times harder than neurotypical people to have the same success in reading and spelling. Um, but I do believe that you you have other things that become greater like your vocab, your language, your expression. It's just hard to get those things down on paper. Yeah. Okay. And your resilience, your tenacity is just improved. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how your future, you know, um, goes for you and for your daughter. That's real exciting. Thank you. So um, we're going to have to wrap this up. You want to end with some final words to our audience? (laughs) don't be afraid to fight be the mama bear there are resources out there um and it's tough but you will succeed yeah definitely takes that perseverance and do not quit attitude right yes okay so audience um thank you for tuning in today thank you gina for being with us today i'm just so thankful to have met you okay bye everyone for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Cintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.